We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel and Jack. We are talking about another Nets loss to the Bucks. Series is now tied 2-2. Nets fell today 107-96. And we saw Kyrie Irving go down with an ankle sprain that looked pretty serious. How are we feeling, Jack, after uh, a really tough morning for you? Credit to you, Jack, staying up, waking up extremely early. Shout out to our boy, Jack, but not the best performance to see. And some bad I- news. Look, shout out to all the international Nets fans out there. They do it much harder than I do. But in all honesty, Nick, it sucks. This sucks. It all sucks. It's just a, a really shitty thing. And there's plenty of other fans in the playoffs as well that are experiencing a lot of other similar situations with injuries to to teams to players on their own teams as well. The Nets seem to be getting it. Uh, an unfair brunt of it as well. The basketball gods just don't seem to like them right now. Um, and look, we'll get into that a little bit. But it also did make it just hard to, I guess, sort of focus on this game. It was sort of like, you know, when we had the James Harden injury in game one, you know, the the engagement level early on was just like, how do I actually focus on this game when, you know, one of the great superstars for for the team is, is experiencing what he's experiencing? And uh, we, dac- we got some news, Nick, apparently, you know, obviously people will know this by the time that this pod is out, but the x-rays did come back clean um, for yep. Kyrie, Kyrie Irving's um, ankle. So that is positive news, um, but there will be obviously, you know, further testing, treatment, and, you know, it's always, uh, the Nets aren't going to do anything rash in in regards to to bringing him back quickly, and full thoughts uh, with Kai, and hopefully he comes back full and healthy, whatever point in time uh, is ready for him, same with James Harden, good to see Jeff back, but yeah, this one, Nick, as much as like there's a playoff intensity, and, you know, the the crowd's going crazy, and Mike Breen and Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, who is still somehow an NBA commentator, were going crazy. He wonders why he doesn't get a coaching job. (laughs) God, he is just idiotic with a capital I. They were talking about, like, the intensity or whatever. I'm just like... And obviously, it's going to be... We're coming from a subjective stance as Nets fans, but... You know, the only reason that this game was intense and close, and the only reason this series has been intense and close, is because our two of our three best players are freaking injured. Like, what do you yep. expect? Like, of course it's going to be close. Of course the Bucks are going to come back and win on their own home court when our, our, one of our best players gets injured in you know the opening moments of the game. Uh, I don't know, Nick. I'm, I'm finding it hard to maintain a level of objectivity um, when I'm doing these Brooklyn buzzes and when these injuries happen and when... 
you know, we hear some Bucks fans talking dumb shit and we see PJ Tucker doing his fat Pat Beverly style of play. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm struggling to, and I know maybe some people don't necessarily like it when I get up in my feels and lose the, the rationality somewhat, but that's what I'm going to be like this episode. So be ready for it. Well, yeah, I felt like it was somewhat annoying, like obviously from the broadcast team to the NBA media to like Twitter, they were like celebrating this Bucks win. Like, oh my God, they beat the Nets and tied the series too, too. Like, like you said, Jack, James Harden literally left the series at 43 seconds. The Nets lost Kyrie Irving in this game and his backup is Mike James. And Mike James has had some great moments for the Nets. Don't get me wrong. And obviously I've been one of his biggest haters, but like the downgrade from Kyrie Irving, an A-plus player, to Mike James, who signed a 10-day contract at the end of the season, who is, you know, probably maybe C-plus, and that's me being friendly, is a drastic drop-off. So now you're missing two of your elite ball handlers, two of your elite playmakers, and your substitute is somebody you signed the last month of the season. And, like, what, what do they expect to do? And I saw KD get a lot of hate today, and I'm just like... Yo, do you guys understand that literally nine guys on the court are watching Kevin Durant? That includes the four Nets players who are just standing around, and that includes the five Bucks players that are all watching him. Yo, Pat Connington isn't even guarding anybody off ball. He's just sitting there waiting for the passing lane of Kevin Durant. I think, you know, obviously it's going to be hard to adjust in game when you lose a player of Kyrie's caliber. So I'm intrigued to see what they do in uh, game five moving forward. But it, it, like you said, Jack, it is tough you know, to focus and be super objective. And obviously I felt like the officiating in this game was definitely uh, – in favor of the Bucks, which is pretty common in a home game, but I just think the officiating and Kevin Durant is getting against PJ Tucker has been pretty laughable, especially when Chris Middleton's getting some very, very questionable calls uh, against some of the Nets players. It's like, you know, that's Kevin Durant, that's PJ Tucker, one of the most physical players in the league who's been known to play with an over level of physicality, and you're just kind of letting him go. And obviously, it's clearly disrupting Kevin Durant. And, you know, it's some of it's on him to adjust, but some of it's like the officiating has to like let him play basketball and not play football. Yeah, let, let's go here. Let's let's jump into the officiating a little bit because uh, I think that this is something that uh, I I wanted probably wanted to get to in the last episode, but I think it probably wasn't necessarily as appropriate. But you know, right now it just seems to me that there's two games going on and there's two sides of the ball that are happening. And I understand home court advantage is to play us, blah 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 blah. But you know, PJ Tucker is out there like a goddamn USC fighter on yeah. Kevin Durant. And, and and like you know, bludgeoning him in a, in a way that is just like, come on, man, this just this isn't basketball. And and I've had respect for PJ Tucker in the past, but there has to be a level of of just like rationality, being like, okay, yeah. let's call like a, an early foul to be like, okay, PJ, that's the line right there. And it seems like there just there just isn't a line for him, but yep. there is a, a very a much thinner line for every other player. You know, Nicholas Claxton tugs on Giannis's jersey and gets a foul, and it's just like. What are we doing here? Like, yeah. I understand that officiating is tough or whatever, and it's the hardest job in the world, but I've said this on, on this podcast before and, and on JBT too, but basketball officiating seems to be the worst of any professional sport, and the consistency in it is is laughable at the best of times. Yeah, it really is. And I think it just gets to a point where PJ Tucker's allowed to have so much contact with his body and just like physically move Kevin Durant, which you're not calling it. But then you're seeing a ticky towel hand foul and they're calling that. It's like, yo, you understand that like a 200 pound man throwing his body at somebody in the comparison of someone's hand is pretty different. And like in the way you play defense, I thought like you kind of said, Jack, make the call to kind of set the tone. I felt like there's a few fouls early, which PJ Tucker slapped Kevin Durant's wrist on that layup attempt and then kind of got underneath him on one of those baseline jumpers and nothing really had happened. And I honestly think, you know, 
obviously that's going to disrupt your game and you're just going to force you to miss shots, take you out of the rhythm. But then it felt like Kevin Durant was starting to be frustrated with the officiating and for any player that kind of starts to take you out of the game. But again, you know, KD finished with 28 points, 13 rebounds, five assists, one steal, one block, five turnovers, shot nine of 25 from the field, one of eight from three, nine of 10 from the free throw line. You know, he did what he could out there, I think, considering a lot of the other components of this game. I think maybe moving forward in the next game, depending on who's healthy and what's healthy, uh, you kind of look at maybe trying to involve other guys. But other guys need to hit shots, and they just weren't doing that today. Yeah, it can't be all left to Kevin Durant. And as much as NBA Twitter is in love with the fact that now Kevin Durant is having to have a, an increased level of responsibility in the absence of our superstars who, who are now injured, um, it's... It, look, it can't be all left to KD. And he is good enough to to drag this team to some success. But against a Milwaukee team who has the level of, of talent that they do in a second-round playoff series, it's it's no surprise. But, yeah, in all honesty, Nick, you know, Joe Harris, Bruce Brown, Landry Shamit, these sort of dudes, they've got to step up in the absence of, of our best players. And uh, it's going to require a full-team effort, like we've seen in parts of this series, to actually get the win. It can't be 85 points from the, 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 the superstar trio because the superstar trio just ain't out there. And Kevin Durant is good enough to, to get 30 with his eyes closed. And even if he is yep. getting tackled to death by P.J. Tucker, uh, it, it just it's, it's going to require a level of effort, a level of execution that probably is above the the talent levels and above yeah. the, and above the the pay grade of, of a lot of the guys that are left on this roster. Yeah, I mean it definitely is tough and I think it's also goes back to even if like you had Spencer Dinwiddie in the series, you know, you'd feel like okay, at least I have you know, a starting level point guard can take some of the scoring load. And I think also part of the thing for Kevin Durant that's like not being talked about enough is like his workload on both ends of the floor. Like what he's doing defensively is requiring a lot of effort. You know, he's constantly either playing on-ball defense, and if he's not playing on-ball defense, he's playing extreme help defense, specifically with Giannis. You know, you saw him try to help on Giannis and close down Brook Lopez, just constant movement, constant, you know, activity. And then, like I mentioned, that 13 boards, like, Katie's been done, uh, been asked a lot. Like, he, usually you see a player be asked to kind of carry the offensive load and then defensively they kind of get the night off. But for Kevin Durant, it was like, all right, we need you to drop 50 and we need you to do everything defensively and be like our all-star on that end as well. Yeah. And like, you know, let's say if it's Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James, these sort of superstars, LeBron James isn't getting 13 boards a night. Kawhi Leonard isn't getting 13 boards a night. Kawhi obviously is going to have some defensive responsibilities, but he normally waits till like game three of a series to actually play some defense. Whereas Kevin Durant's responsibility right now is is probably more than any other superstar in the NBA at this point in time. And I think I'm at least somewhat objective in saying that, given that we all watch every single game of the playoffs. It's maybe Nikola Jokic is probably the only other guy I can necessarily think of, but those two players, you know, the. The burden on their shoulders to, to bring their teams to success when the, the talent disparity is, is just plain to see. But We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Nick, uh, should we get, I guess, to the Kyrie Irving injury? And I guess there's... A lot of discourse around it that made me feel uh, it was distasteful in terms of ESPN just showing replay after replay, you know, close-ups on you know Kyrie yeah. Irving's reaction, all that BS, seeing the fattest man, fattest basketball player alive say that it's the same ankle that he stepped on lucky. You know, there's some clown behavior happening on and all around social media right now, as well as on national broadcasters, it, 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 it seems. And obviously, the the nature of how the injury happened as well um, is something we could probably get into. But Ed, this, for me, is the key takeaway from the game. And I think we should probably spend a little bit of time discussing it. Yeah, I mean, this is the game changer. Obviously, you know, we're talking about Kyrie Irving all the time. Obviously, every single podcast, what he does, how much attention the Bucks were giving him in Game 3, constantly face-guarding him, doing the same in this one. Obviously, you know, he carries a huge offensive load for the Nets. I thought even defensively he was solid in this game. And then you have him go up for the layup attempt and then come down on Giannis's foot, which, you know, I'm not going to say it was dirty. I think you could argue that maybe it's questionable where his footing is in that situation. And the fact that it's on Kyrie's outside foot and not the inside foot and him kind of getting in the leverage. But again, I'm not going to say Giannis is dirty and intentionally try to injure Kyrie Irving. It's just kind of one of those terrible bad luck plays that typically happen over the course of, you know, an NBA season, NBA postseason, whatever it is. But it was to the degree of which he sprained his ankle, it looked like that was so severe. Like you saw his foot almost get parallel with the ground to an extent. And I think that's when you get scared. And I remember seeing him kind of reach at his his shin. And I'm not a doctor. I never pretend to be one. But it kind of makes you think that the possibility of a high ankle sprain, which is typically worse than a low ankle sprain, and they typically take more time to recover from. Obviously, we have no news other than, like you mentioned before, Jack, x-rays were negative. But this is going to be a huge blow for the Nets. And a lot of people going into the postseason, you know, obviously we expected James Harden to be there. And if Kyrie Irving was kind of that X factor. But given the Harden injury and the way he stepped up in game one, game two, game three, this is a giant loss, and the Nets can't replace Kyrie Irving. I don't think anybody in the league really has that type of skill set to necessarily have the uniqueness in which he has. Obviously, there's supplements for there, but I'm not sure what the Nets are going to do in his absence. I don't know either, Nick. And uh, Look, to be honest uh, about Giannis, the the cluelessness of that box out like makes me a little bit angry. Like You're an NBA basketball. Like, you should and the know. way you look down afterwards kind of frustrated me. Uh, yeah, and the way that Rachel Nichols asked him after the game left a, a bit of a sour taste in my mouth, and Giannis's response was fine. I'm not having a go at that, but it just seemed to me all around. I guess you know, coverage of Kyrie isn't isn't good at the best of times. But yeah, yeah I, I, look, Giannis has to know better than that. Like you know, I'm not comparing it to, to Zaza and Kawhi because I think there was a, an intent from Zaza that wasn't necessarily there from Giannis, but there certainly was a, a lack of intelligence on Giannis's behalf to be like. You have to give the player space to land. That yep. is, whether you're getting a rebound, whether you're taking a shot, you should know that. And look, Giannis is a, an amazing player, but he has uh, gaps in his knowledge and intelligence on this sport that frustrate me in, in a yep. lot of ways. And we could sort of, and you know, he takes like what 85 seconds to take a free throw. You could see Steve Nash, Ime Udoka, and James Harden be like, like, what the hell is going on here? It's just like, 
Yeah. It, it's just it further displays the the notion and the the frustration with, that we think that this Bucks team is getting a a, a much different set of, of rules that they're being are being applied to them. And obviously that isn't the entire case for the whole forty eight minutes. But there's little instances that it's just like, come on guys, like we know what's going on here. That should be a foul on Giannis for his horrible yeah. horrible box out at the very least. Maybe even a possible flagrant if. I just I don't understand what we're doing here in a lot of respects, Nick. It just seems like people are losing the general knowledge and, and, and IQ about this sport that we love. Yeah, no, Jack, you're right. I mean, I'm actually kind of surprised they didn't even look at it like real quickly, but I guess that opens Pandora's box for a whole bunch of different things. But I mean, it's and just kind of looking at it more from like the Nets perspective and like you said, the the media coverage, Giannis and all that stuff, it was just not great, but I'm just not sure how they can replicate or have the type of impact with another player on this roster unless James Harden comes back. Just because, you know, Kyrie not only is a great a scorer, obviously one of the best in the league, but he still provides them that playmaking and also just provides them like that steadiness and confidence on the floor of somebody who's kind of been there. And it just forces you to kind of give him attention and alleviate some of the pressure off Kevin Durant, like we talked about earlier all the attention focused on KD. It's so hard when other guys aren't hitting shots. And Kevin Durant's not a point guard. He's a great passer and he can play make at a very high level, but still that's not, he's not James Harden. He's not LeBron James. He's not Luca. Like he's not going to necessarily, you know, dish out 20 assists in a game. So I'm really intrigued to see what Steve Nash reacts with, you know, best case scenario is James Harden magically is healthy and he can play, but I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Look, the, the Nets have been dealt to, uh, a lot of adversity um, yep. these, this, all season this, long. <laughs> all season long. And the way that they have responded to that has been remarkable in, in the fact that, you know, they've, they solidified the, the second seed and, you know, James Harden got injuries here and there and the, the way that they've battled and, and adjusted and, and the way that the coaching staff have responded in, in different respects. But sometimes the the deck gets stacked too hard against you, Nick, and you, yep. you, you don't have the, the capabilities to go, okay, what do we do here? Like, what do we got? We got Tyler Johnson, Mike James. Like, there's just the answers uh, to the question uh, are like, you know, they're there, but they're not totally right. So it's like you, you get, it's like A, B, C, and D, and you get like the, the multiple choice answers. And there's always yeah. one that seems kind of right, but you know the one that's more right. And you sort of question it's just like, oh, I think it might be this one. And that's Tyler Johnson, Bruce Brown, Mike James, those sort of dudes. And then there's Kyrie Irving injury, James Harden injury. And that's those are the answers to, to the Nets problems right now. Um, and unfortunately, then it can't necessarily be solved and, and rectified, at least at this point in time. So it's a, it's a frustrating time being a Nets fan, Nick. And, and I think it would be for NBA fans in general, at least yeah. ones that, that love the sport. Um, I'm hoping that we get a, a level of, of coverage from podcasters, from, from, from sports media that is, you know, probably... I think a lot of them will be maybe reveling in the demise of, of the Brooklyn Nets and right now, but the nature of it, I understand if the Nets were playing poorly and they were losing yep. due to their on-court production, but right now these are circumstances that are just like, it, it's horrible in any situation, whether it's a, a team you like or a team you don't like, you know, I would hate it if, if Giannis or Middleton or, or Drew Holiday were to get injured because it just sucks for, for the sport, it sucks for the spectacle and and right now, the spectacle... And, even the, the, and sorry to cut you off, Jack. Like It even goes back to the fact like I was upset that Anthony Davis got hurt and upset that the Lakers lost to an extent because I wanted to see the best possible matchup in the finals. And I think like it carries more weight 
when you have opportunities like that. And not to disrespect the Raptors in any way. Like a lot of people viewed their championship as, you know, being a little skewed because Kevin Durant obviously went down, Clay Thompson went down. It just gets to a point, like you said, when the cards get stacked against you, there's only so much you can do because it's not like you can replace these players in real time. And there's and the drop, I think the thing that people just like don't understand is like the drop off between an elite superstar and the next guy is always going to be pretty substantial. And the fact that people are like, well, now KD gets a taste of playing with one superstar. No, he does not even have starting level players around him at this point because so many guys are hurt. Yeah, you look at the the roster around him, Nick. Blake Griffin, a guy we, we got off a, a buyout. Joe Harris in, in a little bit of a form slump and probably the best player, the second best player on this yep. roster right now in terms of his health. Bruce Brown playing above his head and, and not necessarily the, had the best game tonight, but you know, still producing and providing energy. Jeff Green coming back from injury, providing a level of production that I was incredibly happy with and you know almost uh, above his pay rate. I can't imagine, you know, he's, he's technically injured too, Nick, because he's playing yeah. through injury. He told us he's playing through his injury all season, and he still found a way to to pull up and suit up. In uh, and I it's a remark. I thought he was really, really solid as well, Nick. Nicholas Claxton, obviously uh, a guy coming off you know, 20, 30 games in his in his season, and, and Mike James, a, a dude we got from Russia like last month. So it's and look, Tyler Johnson obviously is is Tyler Johnson. We know how serviceable he has been, but there's just. Uh, a talent disparity that's you know it was in the net's favor in in so many different respects and in so many different matchups and when injuries happen in this sport and in any sport it just goes it, it changes the trajectory of, of any series and uh, it, it sucks for nets fans it sucks for nba fans and uh, it's just a, a really really disappointing outcome yeah agreed and honestly not even just a talent it's also just like the specific skill set of ball handlers you know what I mean? Just having like playmakers on the floor. Like the Nets have Mike James, like Tyler Johnson's a combo guard. Chris Jose is a two-way player. You know, Landry Shamit's a combo guard, maybe to an extent he's more of a two guard. Then you look, like we mentioned, Kyrie out, James Harden out. And then, you know, your possible real backup, Spencer Dinwiddie is still out too. So now it's just like, you really just don't have guys to handle the basketball against one of the best perimeter defense teams in the league in terms of, you know, you got to deal with Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, um, and all these guys. So now it just becomes like a different battle for the Nets. Not only are they battling talent, but they're also battling missing skill sets, kind of similar to what's happening to Denver in that series against Phoenix, where they just don't have the right pieces to even plug in. Like they could try to play their style of basketball, but at some point, like, you, you can't plug the wrong parts in and expect it to work. You know what I mean? You can't plug a Samsung charger into an iPhone. It's not going to work. Yeah, it's like when I go to America and I forget <laughs> that I bring all my, you know, Australian yep. adapters and plugs and it's just like, ah, oh, shit, I got to go to uh, Best Buy and get some goddamn adapters and stuff. And yep. unfortunately, we can't go to Best Buy and buy a car. You have to get a James Harden, Nick. Yep. And especially like, obviously it's in the postseason, So it's not even like there's any type of trade or anything you can work with, or it's not even like you have practice days to try to implement some new styles of offense. Like the Nets are playing again on Tuesday. So it's going to be interesting to see, like I mentioned before, like how do the Nets react and how are they able to kind of push forward and try to just create enough offense? I think defensively, they still might be able to find ways to slow down the Bucs. I thought defensively in this game, they just had a lot of miscommunications, led to some easy three-point shots for the Bucs, kind of got them going early on and just kind of gave them too many easy opportunities where the Nets weren't necessarily as locked in as Milwaukee. And that's even before I think Kyrie was in the game. I think there was just some possessions where I'm like, okay, you got to just be a little bit more on your P's and Q's here. And maybe some credit to the Bucks fans for making it so loud. The Nets had issues communicating. I'm not really sure. But there's definitely too many plays where you saw two guys try to contest a three-point shot and then give up an open layup or vice versa. Yeah, look, 
I, I thought that early on the the energy was there, and you know it was a back and forth matchup. Kai was making good passes. Yep. You know, KD's block on that PJ Tucker three was was incredible. Uh, Joe was hitting some layups. It just seemed to me that. The energy was sapped after Kyrie Irving's injury. And, yep. You know, I've mentioned before that Kyrie is, you know, the heart and soul of this team. You know, we saw a really great piece um, from The Athletic talking about Bruce Brown, the center for the Brooklyn Nets and, and his relationship with Kyrie Irving. You know, you, it, it, it just, let alone physically and talent-wise, but psychologically, the effect of Kyrie Irving's absence. Yep. But I guess talking with about... already the- being down, you know what I mean? I think as a team, it's just like, they're, they're like our leaders, there are big guys that we go to. Even like listening to interviews specifically, I think like Joe Harris, the guy that's pretty open and transparent about it. Like when we have those guys, even if we have like, you know, we can win games and they just didn't, you know what I mean? Especially when you're going against it's different. No disrespect to Boston. If the Nets were facing Boston right now, I'd still pr- feel pretty confident about the Nets winning the series, but going against a Bucks team, that's arguably the second best in the team. And maybe the second most talented team in the NBA comparison to the Nets. It's just a lot more difficult. Yeah. It's, it's way more difficult, but yeah, I guess in the X's and O's, I think that it seems to me the three point defense was probably slightly off in comparison, but I think it was also, like you said, the Bucks were actually hitting some shots that they probably should have been in, in the earlier parts of this series. But I do think that the Nets have still done a decent enough job schematically. I, I like yeah. what they're doing in terms of how they, you know, clog the paint, how they collapse. I think that there's... The mistakes being made in this series aren't necessarily from like what we saw in early regular season where it's you know a lack of engagement, a lack of communication. It's almost just like trying to do too much, which are mistakes I would rather see in terms of like, you know, two guys closing out to, to a shooter and leaving someone open down low for, for an open lamp or an open duck. Yeah, that is frustrating, but that's something more easily rectified where it's just like, okay, let's communicate a little bit more there. And, you know, we're both trying to do the, the best thing for this team, prevent three points over two points, uh, but we've got to be a little bit more switched on there. So, it's hard, I guess, to focus on those little X's and O's, Nick, but you seem to always do a really good job of of consuming the game and and processing it. What else, I guess, did you sort of see from this matchup that we can sort of take away? You know, other than being depressed and watching the game, Jack, (laughs) uh, um, no, uh, I think just the attention in which I kind of mentioned earlier, they're giving Kevin Durant, and, you know, they're just kind of closing on him. I think it's not necessarily something he doesn't have in his bag, but it's not something he goes to a ton. I look at pocket passes to Jeff Green a little bit more on those high pick and rolls just because of the way that the Bucks are playing him and kind of attack, try to attack the paint. I think you need to attack even if you're going to miss the layups just to kind of keep the Bucks defense honest at times. And I think some of the lineups now have to be really spacing oriented. You know, like with Kyrie Irving out there, you can get away with, you know, having two non three point shooters or something because he can hit a contested mid range shot or just make something out of nothing. But now it's so easy to kind of close out. And the Bucks just were not defending Bruce Brown today. Like they just were just like, hey, you know, you know, we know you're not going to shoot threes. Maybe you'll get hot from Florida range again and that'll be OK. And that was kind of a difference in the game. They're just kind of always having that extra defender to help with Kevin Durant, extra defender kind of help with some of the passes and even shut down some of the, the um, driving lanes. So it's just like, I think Bruce Brown becomes an intrigue in this series where it hurts a little bit more, the less offensive talent you have, you know, your weaknesses stick out more. Yeah. I think you, you can play Bruce and Jeff, you know, in, in a lot of matches, but Bruce and Clax, yeah. you know, clogs the things up quite a bit, but yeah. In saying that, I guess, Nick, 
the the Bucks, I guess, adjustments on defense to be just like, okay, let's just stop the superstars. Let's face guard yeah. them. Let's make life hell for them. And, and they've done a good job of that. Um, you know, obviously, we, we discussed PJ Tuck a little bit earlier, but it's just like, look, their role players aren't hitting their shots right now. So we can soft close out on them. You know, we'd rather collapse onto to KD, double him, blitz him, do whatever it, it takes to, to make everyone else in this Brooklyn Nets team yep. beat you. That's a good game plan. You know, the Nets have done that to... You know, to, to the likes of, of Giannis, to the likes of Middleton, to the likes of Holiday, all those different ones. So I, I think that the, the Nets, the Bucks are doing what they're supposed to be doing. The Nets are, are hanging in and, you know, it was surprising that they were they hung in for as long as they did uh, during this game. And um, it, it's occurred to them to, to the fact that they still will always fight. You know, I've never doubted the, the character of this team. And despite the fact that everyone's going to see the, the talent on the roster and it's just like, oh, these guys just beat you from offense and it's all just like that. Now, the, the, this team just has has a, a bit of bugger in them, Nick, to, 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 yep. to use a bit of an Aussie term. They they fight, they grit, you know, they, they want this. And you know, despite all the, the circumstances going against them, um, I, I can't help but still love this team for, for everything that they do and what they do night after night. Yeah, 100%. I think you uh, still have a ton of appreciation for the role players grinding out and even like maintaining an effort in this game where they easily could have kind of just like died in the third quarter and said, you know, we're going to lose by 20. They lasted a little bit longer into the fourth, you know, had some runs in them, you know, a couple of shots go their way. Kevin Durant shoots better from three, maybe gets a couple more foul calls, you know, maybe they're in this one, they have a chance to win. So I think going to the next game, they're definitely going to need guys to step up. You know, I don't necessarily anticipate James Harden playing. I don't anticipate Kyrie Irving playing, but I think there's an opportunity for the Nets to kind of build off some of the energy and maybe even the Bucks kind of taking their foot slightly off the pedal just given the injuries. They're really going to need your guy Joe Harris to pop off. That's like you mentioned before. He's probably the second best player on this team healthy right now. They're going to need some big moments from him, and it all starts with his three-point shot. You know, he's great in the driving and the dropping off or whatever it is, but the three-point shot is his bread and butter, and that's what opens up different things for him. And if he can start hitting that consistently like we saw at different points in that Boston series and even early in this series, that's a game-changer, and that'll even open things up for Kevin Durant because that becomes your go-to two-man action or different elements where now there's more attention on the other end of the floor. That's Looking at the roster right now, he's really the only realistic guy that can take his game to another level at this point and open things up for the offense. It, it's it's as simple as that, Nick. Um, I, I don't think that there's necessarily anything else that can be added to it. You know, yeah. I, I think that maybe there's certain lineups that, that Steve Nash can throw out there to utilize the, the skills and talents of, of the guys around each other. Like we sort of said, you know, Bruce Brandon, a heap of spacing playing him at the five. You yeah. know, him and Katie had some decent amount of action. Matt Brooks did a, a nice analysis of game three, which, which showcased that. So, look, I don't know. We're going to have Mike, Brett, Mike James probably starting in, in the next game. Yeah. If, if So... If you have Mike James as a starter in the NBA playoffs, look, I, I, I'm not going to go down your route, Nick, of, of throwing the amount of hatred that I think is, is unfair to... I haven't to... even thrown that much hatred. No, you haven't, just you haven't. I've, just, I've just exacerbated it to a level that makes you seem like a, a genuine hater where, you know, I feel like it's <laughs> criticism, uh, which is a little bit different. So, no, it, this is just... It's the nature of the sport, Nick. You know, when you've got 15 blokes on the roster and, you know, two of your three best players don't have a modicum of health about them, 
it's going to be tr- really, really hard where the Bucks are pretty much fit and firing on, except for like Pat Connaughton getting accidentally hit in the head yeah. and PJ Tucker getting hurt on a screen. Like, and even Chetzel being out, but even still, that's nothing in comparison to your... It's not, it's like Middleton or Drew Holiday being out essentially for them. It's like both of them being out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what's crazy. And no no disrespect to any of the players in the Bucks, but this this would be cleanup <laughs> if, if those guys were out, just given how they're playing. And they're really opening up a lot of different things. And I thought... Giannis did a better job of kind of playing off those guys a little bit today. And again, you know, I thought the Nets defense was solid enough. Like, I don't think this is a game where they're like, oh, man, Giannis is the reason we lost. Like, nah, he had 34 points, but it was 14 to 26, 12 rebounds, 5 of 10 from the free throw line, 1 of 5 from 3, 5 turnovers. You know, he's not the end-all, be-all in terms of this series. So I think it's just kind of like we kind of talked about after game one and game two, maybe trying to slow down some of the other guys and just not give up as many open looks. But again, the Bucks really didn't shoot that great from three just 34 percent. i think it's really just the nets offense like scoring 96 points is not something that's been pretty common in 83 in the previous game yeah the the nets are an offensively driven team in in certain in a lot of respects it is their identity um in and despite the fact that their defense has locked in in a fashion that i think not a lot of people did expect but you know their offense is is what wins them games offense is what wins yep. games at the end of the day nick you gotta put the ball the in the basket the <laughs> It is, it's as simple as that. It's called basketball. It's not called defense ball or defending ball or PJ Tucker ball. Um, so in, in, in saying all that, yeah, I, I, who knows what we'll, we'll see come game five. Hopefully, you know, Kyrie Irving has some sort of miraculous recovery. James Harden, who has sort of been touted as being out, is working his way he was back. He up and down on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, he showed a level of, of hops we probably haven't seen from him in, in a while, but... You know, you can just tell that if it was his decision, it would probably be out there. But I think the Nets staff and the Nets training staff and medical staff are doing the right by him by holding him back. Um, they're going to have a tough time probably holding him back now after Kyrie Irving's injury as well. But yeah, that, that didn't look like a, a pretty injury. We know James Harden, his history of the, the soft tissue with the hamstring. Um, it's It just sucks for, for, for Nets fans after the level of, of elation and joy we've experienced with this team, the journey we've been on and you know, the expectations that, you know, we had and everyone else had. Uh, and, and to have them, and I know a lot of other fans are going through this as well, but this is a Brooklyn Nets podcast, so I'm focusing on our side of things. But to have that sort of, not necessarily taken away, but almost be like he, he, dangling it a little bit and then sort of have it like, it, it's almost, uh, it's unfair, not to, to the fans. It's it's even more unfair to, to the likes of Kyrie Irving and, and what he has put in, you know, and, and, the, and the heart and passion he has put in and, and James Harden, what he's done throughout his, you know, 10, 15 year career and what he's put out on the floor night after night in, in Houston, in OKC and, and in Brooklyn and Kevin Durant, you know, sort of to be like, okay, it's, it's all on me now and, and I'm going to lead this team in a way that is, is certainly admirable uh, to, to say the very least. It's just, it's a really sad state of affairs uh, for, for, for this series and, and for basketball and for, for Nets world. Yeah, 100%, Jack. I couldn't have said it better myself. The Nets just need to find a way to build off the home crowd in Game 5, alleviate some of the pressure off Kevin Durant offensively, and just need guys to step up, you know, be it Joe Harris, be it Landry Shamit, be it a vintage Blake Griffin game. I really don't know. We'll see what happens. Hopefully we get some really great news on the injury front. But anything else, Jack? Uh, that sums insert, up the game pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Insert uh, sound, sigh meme, sad face. Yep, I'm pretty, pretty much right there with you. As always, Jack, a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening, and hopefully we get some good news for Game 5. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, 
but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.